Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. It is early April, spring has sprung, it's raining in L.A., and uh, that's a good thing. Jim, did you get wet this week? Well, Jim is obviously not there. <laughs> uh, yet still more technical difficulties for the Outsports podcast. Uh well, this week we are going to be talking about young athletes. It's 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 been amazing at Outsports over the years the the role that young athletes have played in establishing uh, kind of kind of the current state of sports for for LGBT people. Amazing how many of these kids in high school and and college have have come out and and contacted Outsports. Uh, and 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 it, it whilst a lot of our headlines have focused on Michael Sam and Derek Gordon and Robbie Rogers, there's just been an incredible stream of young athletes to come out on Outsports. And uh, it, it, Jim, it was funny because the beginning of this year, I started, you know, we they're just not we weren't getting many of these emails, and all of a sudden this 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 avalanche has started. And, and and we have stories coming for for weeks to come now. Am I on finally? Yes, you are. Ah, I was on from the start. I guess you didn't hear me. So, um, for starters, uh, did you say that our podcast is sponsored by AT and T, mobilizing your world? <laughs> no, I didn't. But I'm glad you mentioned it. AT and T. I I have AT and T. I have. I do have another company for for some things, but I, I use AT and T as well. AT and T is a great company. Yeah. Yes. Good reminder. Well. So, um, yeah, and on our subject, it's it's interesting. I was thinking two years ago this month, Jason Collins came out, and that was supposed to be the game changer. I think we've talked about oh, loud sports would be over because there was nothing new to write about. Remember, John Branch in New York Times kind of said at a conference that he was. Basically, with these stories being played out, <laughs> and of course, two years later, zero open gay players in the NBA, NHL, NFL, or Major League Baseball, zero in Major College Football. There was one in Major College Basketball, Derek Gordon, and his team didn't make the tournament, so we had a tournament where there were no openly gay players. And yet the action seems to be happening, as you said, I think in the opening about at, at the high school level, especially, and you know... Um, among college athletes of, of lesser sports. We've had, the last week, we've had three sort of diverse but really interesting stories, and we can talk about in whatever order. Uh, my favorite name, of course, is Cole Fox. Why do all wrestlers have names like that? He's, he's an Iowa <laughs> high school wrestler. 
they're never just John Jones. It's, you know, he's a UFC guy, but it's like it's Cole Fox or it's Porter, you know, Strong or something. So I thought, oh, my yeah. God, when I saw that name, I said, that's a perfect wrestler name. But he's an Iowa wrestler. We had um, Dalton Maldonado. We've got huge amounts of traffic on him. He's a Kentucky basketball player. And then we had Sean Warren, who was a high school football player. So all three basically kind of we've we've had in the last week, and that's sort of a – but it shows, that you said, the, how, how the young people, especially in high school, are the ones sort of make stepping out there and, and telling us their stories more so than the, than the big-time people. Yeah, well, obviously there are obviously more high school students than there are professional athletes in the yeah. United States. But it's amazing that these, these – 15, 16, 17-year-olds in Iowa and Kentucky have figured it out and can find the, the courage to come out. But but these professional athletes making millions of dollars with fancy cars and beautiful homes can't find the strength or the will to come out publicly. And it's, it's one of the things that's interesting. You know, you can say, oh, it's a private issue and and it's up to them. That is entirely true. But every one of these kids, when I ask them, why are you doing this? They see because they say, because I want to help other kids like me. And that's why it bugs me that more professional athletes don't do what these incredible kids are doing to help other kids. They, they focus on themselves first and put these kids who they could help second. Yeah, and that was really brought home by someone who's not a high school athlete. And we've talked about this before, Dale Scott, the umpire, who was – kind of comfortably out within the umpiring ranks but never had told the story publicly, was initially reluctant. And now that he's done it, he's really gotten hundreds of emails from people. And in some cases, he's, you know, he's inspired other people to kind of pursue their dreams of being an umpire. And he said that if he had stayed, in essence, semi-open, you know, but not public about it, these people would have thought, oh, can't be a, can't be an umpire and be gay. It's impossible, and he's been doing it for 30 years. So these stories really do matter because they show what can happen. And we had uh, – who was the person that was inspired by Robbie Rogers to come out? Um, I'm zoning out on the name uh, earlier this week. Another person. Oh, um, yeah, the, the Robbie Rogers, he, he, the, the, the kid read – the letter that Robbie Rogers wrote to his 14-year-old self, um, you know, uh, what a, a couple of years ago, and it was a guy. Um, oh my God, I can't believe I've been talking to him all day. Blake got his name. Uh, Stephen Asala. He, he worked. At yeah, Oxford. yeah, yeah. With the- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've literally been messaging him all day on Facebook, and then I forget his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stephen Osala, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, and because Robbie came out, he was able to write this letter to his 14-year-old self, and then Stephen saw this, and that gave him the the courage to come out. And that, that's, that, that's the kind of power that we see from these high school kids that we just don't see from the professional athletes. The professional athletes just just don't make helping those young LGBT kids a priority. And they don't even make it a priority after they retire either which has always bugged me, that they stay this way. They can't even come out after. The, and, and when they come out after they retire, they still have an impact. And we've seen from people like Jason, or not, you know, Sarah Tuolo had a huge impact. Dave Copay, of course, 40 years ago had a huge impact, even though they weren't current players. So um, but I think it's a difference to sort of, it's the idea of making a difference is that why these kids do it. Um, Sean Warren, the football player, the same way. I mean, they all sort of 
are inspired by somebody and, and it's, they want to say, hey, this, this can be possible for you. Um, and I thought Cole's story, the wrestler story, was really good because it was a case where he left his father a coming out letter, shoves it in his dad's I think, briefcase or something, and his dad's going on a business trip. And then, of course, waits the entire day waiting for dad's response. And dad's response is basically a text saying, I love you no matter what. Um, and those kind of stories are really beautiful. Yeah, what's what's also interesting about Cole is that he didn't tell his family that he was doing this story. He well, he he told he told his mom that he was doing a story about the scholarship that he won. He was won a Matthew Shepard scholarship uh, for 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 LGBT students uh, to to reward their leadership and and you know he'll go to some training sessions about how to be a leader well he didn't tell his his parents that did not he was know to talk about the whole thing well i didn't know it either until his sister called me yesterday and said um where did this article come from cole didn't tell us about this so Anyhow, they were they were they've been lovely and and everything's worked out just fine from from what I can tell. So uh, it was all good. But again, you know, it it, it is amazing. We 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 struggle to find stories of these of these kids who had problems with their with their family or or with their team. It just seems they all, particularly that age, are so embraced by the people around them when they're willing to be honest about who they are. Well, in a sense, the ones we run are the ones where they are positive because we do know ones where it's not positive and running the story in and of itself would be a detriment to them. I remember the one, I won't even say the state, the one player we had whose you know, father was a, a pastor and would have basically disowned him and the, the kid needed needed the financial support because he was under 18. So doing that story would have been really damaging. So in a sense, when we get the stories, we get them at a point where they've pretty much gone through whatever struggle they had with their families, um, and they generally endorse it. Um, But I think it also shows that you and I live in in a major urban area. We tend to go to other major urban areas for the most part. And you still kind of think, wow, I mean, even even given all the people who are out, it is still a struggle for everybody, it seems, individually to, to their coming out story to whomever. Um, you know, afraid and fearful and, you know, really hope that that the, these stories make it easier for other people to do it. You know, there was a... I was at Dancing with the Stars this week and and uh, it was Michael Sam's last week because he got eliminated. And... Just during, you know, it's a, it's a big. They get a big crowd there, a few hundred people watching, and and they have this guy who goes around the crowd and he'll talk to people in the crowd and he'll have them, he'll dance with you just to keep the crowd lively during the the commercial breaks. And during one commercial break, he went over to this ten year old kid. The kid was ten, and and the guy's talking to them, and and the guy says, "Do you have a girlfriend?" And the kid says, "No." And that it sounds like such an innocuous moment, but it was such a reminder of the pressure that these kids feel every moment of their lives. They're told they are straight. Mm-hmm. Every moment, even a stranger on a TV show 
tells him that he's straight. And that's where I think a lot of this pressure that they put on themselves comes from. This, they, they don't want to upset expectations that people have of them. And so, you know, why that guy didn't say, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? But he didn't. He said, do you have a girlfriend? Because the assumption is that you're straight. And I, I, I think... I think just that constant assumption is what is that is that is what puts the pressure on these kids. <laughs> For me, especially, I would never ask a ten-year-old that question anyway. It seems awfully young to me. Uh, right. Maybe I'm just of course. like, wow, <laughs> you know, like I would never think of asking a ten-year-old about their dating habits. It just seems like, you know, they're still in diapers basically. But I guess that's just <laughs> just a generational thing. But yeah, you're right. And all these stories tend to have some element of, oh, I was dating a girl, or tried to date a girl, or the girls were flirting with me, and you know. I didn't know what to do. So, um, uh, the Dalton Maldonado story is is an interesting one because it has sort of a a more serious tone to it. He's the basketball player who um, says he was pursued by another team, calling him you know gay slurs and stuff. And I know the latest story yesterday. You you got some contact from the administration, and what have they said of the other team that? Uh, where whose players came after Dalton? Well, the Bryan Station High School is is the team that allegedly harassed Dalton, and and they claim that uh, that there was a there was a there was a there, there was a lot of it was a heated game, even though it was a thirty point game. It was a heated game uh, on both sides, and there are gross inaccuracies in our story, and. Uh, that they're in the middle of an investigation, and that the coaches handled it at the time. But I've contacted Dalton again, and he says, everything in my story is true. You could talk to anyone on my team. I did talk to one of his teammates and the assistant coach. They both corroborated everything from the Bryan Station team pounding on the bus to yelling gay slurs to getting in their car and following the bus. So I... I, I don't know. I don't know what the motive would have been for a straight teammate and a straight coach to lie about what what's just happened. I certainly can understand the motive of the Bryan Station High School to to downplay the story, but I just don't know what the motivation would be for Dalton's team members to lie about it. Yeah, and this happened in December, so they would have had plenty of time if they were, I think, really serious about investigating this to investigate it. Um, my guess is it's the kind of stuff that unfortunately maybe happens more frequently in certain places than we would like to think, and no one ever blinks an eye because it's simply the way things are. And I wonder if this is the case of that. Because, I mean, Dalton didn't contact us, right? I mean, we basically heard about two weeks ago maybe when we got his email. And it wasn't really yep. about that. It was about, hey, I'm out and I'm proud and et cetera, et cetera. And that was simply a facet of it that to, to us it was like, wow, that's <laughs> that's sort of a news peg. But it wasn't like we got contacted the day after it happened. This had, this had happened about three months prior. And, and and people are actually using that against Dalton, saying, if this really happened, you would have reported this immediately. Why is the story coming out months later? And I said, um, because he wasn't comfortable with sharing his story until now. I don't I don't know what to tell you about that, but he just wasn't comfortable. But it, again, there will be 
there is an ongoing investigation in the school. It will be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm hoping that the people who spoke with me don't somehow recant their stories. It would be that would be interesting to see. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's going to come of it. Um, I, I know that Dalton's school is also looking into it. So I'll be curious to see what comes of it and 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 who says who said what. Uh, so we've had that. We've had the the football player. Um, we've had. It was a great article today. Um, I'm trying to pronounce her name. Uh, the 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 writer up in the Bay Area who wrote a great piece about being afraid of going out to the Giants. Forty forty. Jamie Neal. Yeah. <clears throat> Why don't you give some background on that? I thought that was a very effective piece. Well, J- Jamie went by another name before th- this week, and she just posted on Twitter a few days ago that, you know, I've seen a lot of people struggle with this and I, I need to tell the world that I'm transgender. And and so I contacted her and said, you know, would love for you to write a piece for us. She had written under her old name uh, some stuff for SB Nation, Niners Nation, and, and what have you. She's a big A's fan and, and a Niners fan and also a Giants fan. And so she just wrote about kind of you know her struggle and and beginning her transition and and now being afraid to to go to watch her favorite teams play because of how how people in the stands might react to her. So it was um yeah, it was it was a super powerful piece and I think very raw and very real. And uh and you know what's interesting, I, I contacted Christina Carl and said, you know, um I, I, the, the piece is a bit raw, and I'm not sure that Jamie, you know, knows the proper things to say, but certainly, you know, spoke her mind. And you know, a lot of trans people, you know, don't want to talk about their former life, or, or you know, Jamie mentions being a dude or something like that, mm-hmm. and 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 that's kind of not the way you're supposed to talk about these issues. Um, but but she did, and and I I really liked the piece, and I'm glad a lot of people are reading it. Well, it was interesting. A lot of her fears was almost hadn't anything had really happened. It was simply the fear that something could happen, which is certainly understandable. I know Christine Daniels um, had problems in the press box when she <clears throat> first went back to cover sports in L.A. And, you know, it was these snide remarks by other sports writers and, you know, stuff like that that, that really stung, and uh, Jamie's been really pleasantly surprised by the outpouring of support she's gotten off Twitter. She was expecting a lot of hate tweets and got the opposite. So I think in a good way, maybe people's minds are being changed on this, and um, it'll be good to see her do a follow-up maybe during the season after she's had a couple of months under her belt of just, uh, you know, going and covering these things. I think people's minds are definitely being being changed on this. You know, as we know, it's and this is the, this is the struggle with with these kids coming out. This is what they go through. People, particularly in these smaller towns, people can be very homophobic or transphobic when they don't know somebody who's gay or transgender. But when they do, their attitude changes. It's not that most of them. Some certainly do continue to shun the person they like or the person they know. But 
but most people change their attitudes and their behavior to fit and welcome the person around them. And and that's kind of the, the, the catch-22 that a lot of people's attitudes won't change unless somebody comes out, but somebody won't come out because attitudes haven't changed. Yeah. And I remember my you know, me coming out, I'm sure you too, my dad would say anti-gay stuff and 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 now he's incredibly supportive and and would never say that stuff and if i hadn't come out he w- he wouldn't have changed <clears throat> yeah i think that's true really of a lot of people um but i want to make something that you mentioned about Jamie and the use of language and who gets to de- decide what language we use you know like yeah. that was the way she used it because that happened in the Sean Warren football piece where I asked him about using the word gay and fag and he heard it. He said, I heard it and I still use it myself. And we got into a long discussion about that, that to him, they're just words. They don't hurt. Um, He throws them around to him. It doesn't mean anything. His other gay friends are bothered by, so he doesn't use it around them. But it got me to thinking about, you know, when we sort of in, in essence trying to tell people, this is how you need to refer to yourself. And I think the same thing with Jamie, that, you know, did she use language that that is sort of considered out of bounds, but that's the language she uses. And I'm wondering if at what point we give people license to sort of say about themselves what they want to say. Well, you and I give people all the license that they want. I, I think if yeah. there was hateful language being used, um, you know, I, I don't. I'm not sure that we would go there, uh, but you know, if the if if the football player wanted to write a column about why I think using the word or using gay slurs is okay, well, I would probably let him write that. We'd suggest. Yeah, to him, it was like he said, if it was done in a hateful way, it's different. He didn't consider him using them as a slur when he used them. I guess is the point. The same thing if Jamie refers to herself, I think, as a dude and a bro, which if someone else said that. You know that would be different than sort of Jamie making a reference to her former, you know, past in that way. I think is is to me the difference is, is in essence you kind of own what you are, and if you want to say I was X or whatever, I think that's allowed. But if someone else says no, you're whatever. Um, same thing when we do these things, we're saying that you know we, we did the gayest mascots. Remember the got some blowback from people. Oh, you that's you know that's being offensive. And you did something with the gayest NFL team names a couple of years ago yeah. that got some of the same reaction. It's like, no, it's different when we say it. Yeah, it's different when we say it. But then people people are trained to be offended. We have we have we we encourage people to be offended in, in our culture, and sometimes things are just funny. You know, right? The the, the uh, the new Daily Show host. I mean, he's he's under fire for saying some, making some offensive jokes, and 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 you know, of course, some people are saying some people are saying that it's a double standard that he's allowed to get away with it, but that other people are saying that he should be allowed away with it because it's funny, and you know, if if it's if it's funny, is that okay? And I, you know, it's there are no hard fast rules, but you know, I just I I try to do what's not going to be too offensive to the most number of people. Yeah, and I think in the case of Trevor Noah, the, the host, hey, I didn't think the, what he said was actually funny, but he's a comedian, and you're going to do stuff that's going to push the boundaries, and you're going to whiff sometimes. But initially, people say, oh, he should, you know, they should not hire him now. And, he, and it's like, really? Over tweets he did five years ago? Because I was very impressed when I've seen him on The Daily Show, and actually, 
bizarrely told someone, oh, I think that's the guy they should pick as a new host, having no inkling about what their thought process. So I just thought he seemed incredibly talented. Um, and so, yeah, it's idea. I think also sometimes we, we kind of, you know, we're looking for things to, to get people on that they may have said several years ago. And, you know, clearly if someone says somebody calls someone an effing faggot, of course we're going to come after him for that. But, you know, at a certain point, I think you have to give some license and not get overly sensitive about everything. I think it's a sign of, of, of basically self-pride when you can sort of take some of those things and not feel aggrieved by every slight. Yeah, well, what I, I've seen more and more of is, is, is beyond just beyond you know language and stuff, but actions. I mean, and people in the movement, our LGBT sports movement, accusing other people of of being this or that and offending them, and they're doing the the good work that they're doing wrong. They should be doing this instead, and they should be they should be including that one and. And they're being exclusive, not inclusive, and everything has to revolve around intersectionality. And you have to, I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing that people within our own movement, uh, people who are thinkers are just, uh, somebody's got to be offended about something at all times. And I, 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 people love being offended. A friend of mine in high school used to say, oh, people's favorite hobby is to be offended. And you know, you and I just don't have, we just don't get offended that easily. Well, yeah, and I think some people say, oh, it's two privileged white guys living in L.A. Well, okay, fine. Remember the Snickers Super Bowl ad where neither of us was offended by, and we got lambasted by several other gay blogs for not being offended. Like, remember that yeah. dopey ad about three, four, four years ago? It was like, oh, I remember. We were, we were chastised for, oh, my God, Outsports wasn't offended by it. I didn't Jim, think it that was, was almost yet. 10 years ago. Was it? That's that, right. I was, was living in. The, I was living at uh, my other Grossman house. You're right. Wow. In the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, but that's and, just, again, and, it's an example, right? We're like, oh my God, these people are terrible because they're not offended by a Super Bowl ad. Well, okay, I wasn't. <laughs> Sue me. Yeah, it's funny with the with the we're, we're privileged white men. It's it's as though people in the LGBT movement have forgotten we're gay. <laughs> yeah. Gay men. There's so much struggle for gay men. There are still no right now. There are no openly gay active professional athletes who are gay men, other than or coaches Robbie Rogers or in the United you know States. or administrators or, or you know blah 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 right. name everything you know not just players just people are who are getting to be our age you know who are now in the administrative coaching general manager range. None of them. Yeah, and 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 somehow somehow we've become the villain because. One of the reasons we keep hearing is that because we keep highlighting the voices of athletes who come to us and ask for us to highlight their voices, and, and we have pushed and pushed and pushed folks to help us identify more people of color, more women. We have an open invitation, and we continue to say this to anyone who's, who's, who's any color, any gender, any gender identity, any, any, anything to come and tell – Tell a story on Outsports. But for whatever reason, we're told because we're gay white men, gay white men keep coming to us. And, and, and that's our problem. That's what we're doing wrong. Well, but I wanted to bring up a quick anecdote I never mentioned. I was at Penn State last week, and I was addressing a – it was spoke to a class of, of sports business. Uh, people want to be agents and that kind of stuff. And, and, and so there's this one – definitely jock-looking guy in the back, and he's on his phone, and I'm thinking, okay, this 
not paying any attention to what I'm saying. So come question time, first guy to raise his hand is him. And he said, oh, I, I'm good friends with Laquan Chapman. Remember, Laquan wrote a coming yep. out story for us. I helped, yep. He actually showed me his coming out story before it happened. I was just texting him while we were talking to say how cool it was that you were speaking to my class. And, you know, and it was really a fascinating moment about a connection. And here's this straight guy you would think would be this frat bro who Laquan let read his story before he came out to sort of make sure he got things right. And, you know, Laquan's African-American, and that's the kind of story we've highlighted. And it was a really great moment to see that, oh, this, you know, this website sort of had this power to connect these people. Um, and even the professor said afterwards, huh, that's, I never knew that about, I think that name was Matty's. I would have assumed he was the biggest sort of macho jock guy in my class, and here he was. <laughs> somebody who was tweeting some of that, I thought, oh, he's not paying attention, and he was tweeting Laquan. So you get those little victories, and, and you kind of savor them. Yeah, well, you never know where, where, where support lies. And, you know, again, if, if you're an LGBT athlete, uh, high school, college, or the pros come to Outsports and we'll tell you a story. It's, we're so proud to have had so many high school athletes come out on Outsports recently. And, uh, you know, we just can't get enough. They all, every single one of them does some good. And we're also proud to have AT&T as our sponsor, AT&T Mobilizing Your World. All right, well, that's all the time we have this week. Um, we'll be back next week, as always. I'm Sid Ziegler, Jim Bozinski. We will talk to you then.